Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Hello, Creative Giants. Thanks for joining me on episode 32 with Mary Trunk. Mary started as a painter, became a dancer and choreographer, and has been making films for over 20 years. Her first feature-length film, The Watershed, screened at over 30 film festivals worldwide and won numerous Best Documentary Awards. She spent seven years filming four mother artists for her most recently completed third documentary feature, Lost in Living. She recorded births, female friendships, aging, career success and failure, divorce, parenting mistakes and triumphs, resentful children, dirty dishes, and lots and lots and lots of laundry, all centered around the tricky balance of family life and artistic expression. Her short documentary, The Past is in the Present, at home with Gunther Schuller, that she co-produced with her husband, Paul Sanchez, is touring the festival circuit around the U.S., Her newest hybrid documentary project will be a reflection on her past dance career and how that influenced everything she does. Mary is also working on an interactive website called This Woman's Life that will feature stories about the invisible women in our lives and what they can teach us about survival and living life to the fullest. Mary teaches film and video at Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California, Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, California, and Mount St. Mary's University in Los Angeles, California. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and daughter. Mary, thanks so much for the great work you do and for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Let's go back to the beginning because I love origin stories. How did you start this dancing, movie-making journey that you're on? Well, um, it actually started uh, when I was uh, decided I wanted to be a painter. And I have always drawn and always painted a little bit. And I really wanted to go to college and become an artist, which is the total impractical thing to do. And something my parents were sort of like, well, my mother, you know, how is that? How are you going to survive? But I thought I would go and study painting. So I I went to UC Santa Cruz and... um, I got it, you know, I started taking drawing and painting classes and I loved them, but it wasn't until I actually saw a dance concert um, that happened to be going on during dinner and in the dining hall of my dorm. And I thought, wait a second, that is so great. I don't, I think that's more me. I had done a little dancing, but I not like a young child. So um, I, I auditioned for the dance department and uh, I remember one of the teachers was watching me and she came up behind me and she whispered in my ear, where have you been? And I thought, well, it's because I have really good feet. I have a really good arch. <laughs> um, and, and I just, from then on, I felt like I was in the right place. I love drawing and painting, but there was something about it that I, that I didn't feel was my, my home. So when I started dancing, that's when it all changed. And I remember thinking, this is it. It changed my life, actually. And um, I've never really given up dance, but I um, I did start incorporating film in my dance and choreography and then went to graduate school for film. And 
Interestingly enough, I'm starting a new project that does involve dance and film again. So I'm kind of doing this circle back after doing many documentaries. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Cool. Where was the bridge from the dancing to the documentaries? Let's talk us a little bit about or talk to us about that. Well, the dance. Um, it's. I was just looking at some of my notebooks. It's funny that you asked that. And one of the pieces that I did right out of college was a. a a dance theater piece about my mother. And I come from a very large family. I have six brothers and sisters. My mother was a single mom. Uh, and she she was a very New York type. She smoked and she talked like this. And she was very, uh, uh, ha- not hard, but just matter of fact, you know, not somebody who uh, was all uh, puppy dogs and rainbows. She was said it like it was. And, uh, but she called all the time. She called me always. So I, I made this piece called My Mother Calls Me. And I was fun, just looking at the notes about that, where I actually used old letters that she had written to me and dialogue that I had gotten from phone calls. And um, so in a sense, my dance work was about my, came from my life, came from real experiences. And um, as I, even though many, much of the work was abstract and experimental, there was that element. So when I um, decided that I wanted to go to graduate school, I went for film because I was already starting to incorporate film in my, in my dance work, you know, whether it was video or home movies. And I started, uh, I got my graduate degree and my master's in film. But when I got out of school, I wanted to tell a story, another story about my family. And it was about my parents' breakup. So my first documentary is about that period where I went back 25 years later and interviewed everyone who was involved and had them tell their side of the story. Uh, it was a very, it's a very sort of tragic but redempt- redemptive story. Uh, my parents split up and uh, we were taken away from them because they couldn't take care of us. Then we were returned to them. Uh, that's the long, the short part of the story. But um, so in, in a sense, uh, telling stories is really what, what both of them had in, in my dance work and my documentaries. I started out that film as a, as a screenplay, but knew that the people that were telling the story could tell it way better than I could. So when I interviewed them, I thought, you know what, this has got to be a documentary. And that's kind of how I first started doing that. And um, so it, ever since then, I've been passionate about people's stories and it's taught me compassion and taught me to accept people for who they are. And, uh, and I, I, I love that. And, and in some ways, I did that with choreography, too. I had all kinds of dancers in my company. So I guess that's how it connects. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but... Um, but it seemed like a smooth transition at the time. <laughs> what were you like? Were you working as a choreographer or as a dancer at the time when you decided to go back to grad school? How'd that work for you? Well, I, uh, uh, I was a dancer in college and immediately got attracted to choreography right away. Uh, and I, I, had, I always had problems having to... I, I always danced in other people's work, but I didn't like it as much as making my own work. So after I graduated... From undergraduate school, I went to San Francisco, started my own company, and I had that for about 10 years or so. 
And so when I was in graduate school, I was still doing a little choreography and video. And then um, I kind of, once I was halfway into graduate school, I, I sort of immersed myself just in film. But I will say this, I was the only person in my program who put uh, people in her films. I had dancers in my films. Uh, I went to the Art in- San Francisco Art Institute. And so um, it was very experimental, which I loved, but I used dancers and uh, right up until I graduated. So, um, so yeah, I'd say I was a choreographer filmmaker. Okay. Um, for those of us who aren't choreographers or filmmakers, what's really that relationship between the two? Because you mentioned that they're both about telling stories. And I, I was wondering if you can pull that out a little bit for, for as the craftsperson. Um, let's see. Um, choreography is, uh, is, is okay. This, this, this is how I work. I'm the kind of person that likes to gather material. I gather it and I collect my, uh, as much as I possibly can. I always joke that my husband and I, cause we often work together. I'm the one that when I want to make dinner, I'm going to go to the grocery store and see what looks good and then go from there. He goes to the store with a recipe and finds those things that fit the recipe. Either way is, is okay and perfectly fine if it works for you. But I'm kind of the person that likes to gather material. So when I choreograph, I often bring lots of problems and exercises and different um, ex- games and, and all kinds of things and puzzles that, that the dancers will play and work on. And then I'll pull things out of that that, that, att- that are attractive to me, that, that speak to my intuition, that speak to something that I want to say. And then I start molding it and putting it all together. Now, in film, documentary film specifically, I also do that. I go out and I, I may interview a lot of people. I shoot a lot of B-roll. I let my intuition sort of guide me, and which isn't to say that I haven't trained my intuition. I, that takes training. But once you get it to a certain place, you can go into situations and you know exactly what you want. You may not be able to articulate it until you're there, but you just start gathering the footage and take and shooting as much as you possibly can that fits into what, what is working for you. And then you take that home and you sift through it. And the same with choreography. So you sift through it and you have to be, you start finding the connections. You start finding the story that's going to work out. It's like you're on a freeway and you start, you sort of just make it all work within that direction. You might go off on an exit every now and then, but you always come back on and stay within that, that sort of narrative uh, story thematic thread, whatever it is. Does that make sense? It does. Um, you know, in the writer world, we talk about the difference between um, pantsers and plotters, right? So you got people who fly by the seat of their pants. They don't quite know where the story's going. Then you got the plotters, which are, here's the outline. Here's where we're going to go, right? Right, right. Um, and so it seems you're error on the creative side, more on the pantser, where you kind of know where it's going. And it's kind of making it up as you go. Not... You know, making it up as you go along sounds like you have no idea what you're doing, um, but it's really choosing the parts that really help you tell the story that you're trying to tell. Well, and, and I think you, I do always start with a, a, a theme or an idea. For example, my most recent film, which is about mothers who are also artists. My basic idea was how do mothers continue to be artists once children are brought into the picture? Now, that's very broad. And I went out and I talked to many mothers who are artists, 
But I, it wasn't until I narrowed it down and I decided, wait a second, I need to, what if I found someone who's pregnant and going through that transition? Now, I don't know what she's gonna, what's going to happen to her, but at least I've narrowed it down to that, that way of looking at it. So once I had that, and I actually ended up finding two people like that, both best friends, I decided to pair them up with two older women who have adult children who have already been through it. So in a sense, that narrowing down, even though it came from this big theme, it, it goes into that next step. And so once you've honed it to that sort of place, when I started to try and find more subjects, I knew exactly what I wanted. I was like, okay, that person's not going to work. She's not pregnant or she's not old enough. Or, so, though, you know, you do narrow it down, um, but you still are on this journey of discovery. I followed those women for seven years. And I didn't know that the film would be, end up being about divorce and parenting and marriage and um, uh, illness and all kinds of things, you know, so... But I still, I still knew I had to kind of, you have to kind of get your, your sort of um, uh, constraints figured out. I say this with a lot of admiration, but that's a seven-year project. Yeah. Um, as you're going through the middle of, you know, it goes on year one, year two, year three. How, how did you stick with that particular project? And how did you know when the story was done? That's a very good question. Um, there were times where it was uh, difficult to stick with it. Now, I also I'm the kind of person that uh, I don't. I often have other smaller projects that are going on at the same time because uh, you need. I need to be engaged in different ways. So I, I did have a couple of short films, and I, I did a longer film in the middle of that that was two years long. Um, but I will say this, I felt that I, I made some good choices with my subjects. The four women were incredibly articulate, incredibly willing, and very open with me. So there was always an opportunity to move forward in the project. There, was a, there were a few times, for example, when the women had just had their babies. And when babies are infants there's a kind of a year there where they're sort of like luggage and they're not a lot changes. So there was some gaps where I didn't film every day. Um, but they, they were so willing and so uh, entrusted me that I never, and I never felt like, Hmm, maybe this material isn't very good. I always felt like it was. And part of that is I got fortunate to find them. And then I chose them. There were plenty. I interviewed probably 20 women, but I chose four. So it, it was a struggle. But then when I, um, but it was also a challenge and I, I enjoyed every minute of it. And there's also, there was a part of me that thought I could just film them forever and never make a movie. But you can't do that because you have all these other people involved. So, um, but I realized at one point it sort of hit me. The women who just had their baby, who had their babies, their children were going to kindergarten. They were both turning 40. One woman was turning 70. Another woman, her seventh child was going off to college, her very last child. So I thought, you know what? All of that is happening at the same time. That might be a good place to, to stop filming and start putting this film together. So that's how it happened. All righty. So in 
you know, the name of that one was Lost in Living, correct? Because you've got multiple. So that one's Lost in Living. You kind of get lost in storytelling in that way, right? Story capturing. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I was actually, my daughter was three when I started filming. So I, that was also, I was sort of going through that period as well. How much did you end up showing up? I got, I'm sorry, I haven't watched the documentary yet. So how much did you, your story, end up being a part of that? I, um... That, that was also something I had to figure out. I, um, I decided not to put myself in the film. And I generally don't put myself in, a fi- in my films. Um, and my first film was about my family, and I'm not in it. But it's very clear that the people who were in it are talking to me. They're my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. Um, but in this film, I've, I felt that it was the four women's stories and their stories, every part of their stories sort of spoke for me. And I also wanted the film to be um, more, of, more of a novel. Like a no- I love to read, I love novels. And, and I wanted their stories to, to weave together. And I'm also a little bit hesitant to put myself in films because generally that means I am the narrator or I'm the one that says, this is how the story is told. And I, I usually like my viewers to see my work and come up with their own decisions and their own interpretations. And if there's a narrator that they're supposed to follow, I, I don't, that's just not my style. So at the very end of the film, in the credits, you see a bunch of photographs and a little bit of video of myself and my daughter going, and you see her grow up. So you see that. <laughs> and th- that's our consolation prize, I guess. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, at a personal and or professional level, what did you really learn um, throughout that seven year process of getting lost and living out there? I'm sorry, say that again? Um, a personal and or professional. So you being the choreographer, or you just having personal epiphanies as it happened. What did you learn from lost and living that were really like, t- you know, two or three takeaways for you? Oh, what did I learn? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's that's really. Um, uh, hmm. It's it's interesting. I learned so much. Uh, I I've. I think I think it's mo- as parents, and I say this be- not just for mothers. I think all parents feel this way. You start off, and you have this child, and and you. Um, there's this feeling of I want to do the best thing that I possibly can and, and I and you start to get sort of self-righteous about it and and you start to think well this is the only way and you really when you when you delve into people's lives four women who are parenting in different ways who have parented in different ways who um, have made very unique choices you, you have to realize that there's no right or wrong way of how to be a parent or how to be an artist and how to do both together. And that was um, something I kind of knew already, but it was certainly nice to have it confirmed. Um, There are very specific things I learned from each person because I think they all needed to, to have art in their lives for different reasons. And that also made me realize that we, we tend to think art is one thing and it's not, it's, 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 a it can be so many things for in different ways for different people. Some people need it to escape from the everyday. Some people need it to, you know, because they'll just go insane. Other people have to be 
creative in every aspect of their life from doing laundry to making baskets, you know? So it's, um, and, and yet I also learned that, um, you need to have resilience because it's, it's a tough world. It's a tough life. There's a lot of rejection and you have to understand that it's not about outcome as much as it is about process. And boy, did I learn that. I mean, like I said, I could have filmed it forever. (laughs) I enjoyed that process. So let's talk a little bit about the past as the present. Um, Give us a little insight of what the documentary is about and and how you bridge from Lost and Living um, to that particular one. Um, Okay, I'm sorry. How do I bridge Lost and Living to... To um, the past is the present. Oh, the past. Is, oh, the past is in the present. Um, okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, uh, that was a great little film. That's a short film. The past is in the present. Uh, at home with Gunther Schuller. One of the women in my film, Marjorie Schlossman, she's a painter in Fargo, North Dakota, and um, I met her when I showed my very first film at the Fargo Film Festival. And She's a mother of seven children. I'm one of seven. So it was, we had this sort of interesting connection. And I adored her paintings. She's an incredible painter. Um, she introduced me to her uncle, Gunther Schuller, who is a very um, prolific uh, composer. He's probably 89 now. And he's won a MacArthur Genius Award. He's won a Pulitzer. Uh, he's, 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 very well, he's well known for combining classical music with jazz and he calls it third stream it's a type of composition um marjorie said you know she asked me if i would do a short film about him and i um i had met him but i was a little scared of him (laughs) he's a very formidable person and so i um i called him up and i said uh i i got him on the phone and before i could even say anything he said you don't know me. And I was like, okay, I do know you. We've met. He says, if you knew me, you wouldn't call me during the dinner hour. And, you know, he just, he really, you know, automatically I thought, oh my God. But turned out we we were able to chat. And my husband and I spent a weekend with him. And the way we dealt with that was how, we we weren't interested in, in, in Gunther's accomplishments. There are many accomplishments. You can go to Google and figure that out. We wanted to know, what is your process? What is your creative process? What is your, um, how do you live your life? What keeps you going? What motivates you? What, um, what is important to you? What, uh, how does it feel to be your age? Um, and I, I, when I flew there, I spent like the entire six-hour flight reading his autobiography, which is probably like three inches thick. And that's only the first volume. He's working on a second volume. <laughs> And I came out of that uh, just, I, he was a delightful man and very inspiring. And once again, it's sort of another place where you find someone who, who has this uh, incredible motivation and um, strong desire to just keep at it, to just keep busy, to keep the brain going, to keep engaging in some creativity and that was attractive to me and so 
going from Lost and Living where I was surrounded by these women who were doing that all the time and then meeting someone else who he was a he's a father too it was fascinating and um and it you know it does um anyone who's grappling with the with the um challenges of trying to stay creative with any sort of limitations or obstacles is interesting to me he's older he's not completely well he has some ailments he has a hard time getting around and yet he stays busy he's still composing and that, you know you can't beat that so that 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 kind of those kinds of people are keep me going that's for sure speaking of keeping you going so you're teaching at um, a few universities. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got your documentary. Um, do you call yourself a businesswoman, or how do you talk to you about about the the films that you make and and how you present yourself in the world? I mean, filmmaker is obviously the way that you want to go about it. But tell me, tell me about that a little bit, so I can get it correct. It's a good question. Um, I um, I think it's important for really any artist, and especially independent filmmakers and documentary filmmakers and especially at this point in in um in in time in terms of film that we all we have to kind of know how to do everything and so yes i'm a filmmaker but i also have to figure out how to distribute my work i have to figure out i produce it i do all the budgeting i do all the scheduling i get the equipment i um I, I talked, I find my subjects, I get the lighting, you know, I ha- you have to be able to do all that. You have to, um, I had a Kickstarter campaign uh, that you learn an enormous amount from because it means it's a, tw- it's a full-time job of just reaching out, social media, knowing how to do all that. And so you really, um, you there's no such thing anymore of saying, you know, well, I'm just a filmmaker and somebody else has to do all that stuff. You have to do it. And, and I think I, I like to be optimistic about it because in some ways that gives you more control. And that there, I think there's a lot more, lot more platforms and, and ways to get your work out there instead of just the traditional distri- distribution of trying to get someone to buy your film. Uh, and, and, and I, I enjoy that because right now in my next project, I really want to do something that is more of a hybrid that involves many platforms. So nobody, you know, in old fashioned distribution, people wouldn't buy that stuff. So um, I don't know if I call myself a business person, but I am interested in business in that side of it for two reasons. You have to be. And the second reason is it's very there's a psychological aspect to it that I kind of like. There's a whole marketing aspect that's fascinating to me. So there you go. <laughs> well, I'm going to hang out here because when you described or when you said you had a studio and you went back to college, right, or you went back and, and get your graduate degree, like there would have been some people who would have described that narrative as, well, I had a business and I went back to school, right? Right. And and things like that. And, and you know, right now in professional creativity however we want to do it. there's a lot of tension between this whole b word business are you a business person or not right and a lot of people feel that um this business concern is getting in the way of the art right so it was really interesting to hear you explain how that how you worked through that because in the end you ended up with i wouldn't call myself a businesswoman and i was thinking in my head you're totally a businesswoman 
Yeah, no, that I mean, maybe I maybe because I'm also still half part of me is hanging out in that old world because I always hated it when people would say, you have to put as much creativity in your grant writing and your business side as, as your art. And, uh, and I guess I'm just coming to terms with that now because it's true. You do. And I'm also realizing that I can enjoy that part of it. And I, I, I think what's really great too, is we have so many, um, ways to engage with our audience. I don't have to, you know, we have this Skyping, we have, uh, thank God for email and texting. I love that stuff. (laughs) But, um, but I think, um, I don't think it has to take away from the art to be uh, a, a business person. I think, I think because there's so many ways to be in the business side of it, as opposed to it, it didn't, you know, when I first put my, put my first film out there and it got into the slam dance film festival and that was exciting, but it was all about trying to sell it. And that wasn't fun. That wasn't interesting to me. It was, I, I didn't, but now I like it better. I like that I can have my most recent film. I've had, house parties where I sell a house party kit to people who live in New Zealand and Australia and England and I get to Skype with them and discuss it with them and and that's far more interesting and far more, that was exciting to create that 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 was there was a creative element to that that I enjoyed maybe because I'm a control freak and I like to have control over it but you know it, it I think there's a lot more opportunities to be in the business side of it in a way that is um certainly easier to take than in, in other situations. But I, I still have to teach to make a living. So Yeah. And so I'm thinking of my um, colleague and, and good friend, Jeffrey Davis has a term he, he uses as business artistry and being able to fuse the both of those. And just as you were saying earlier, there are so many different ways to be a parent. There are so many different ways to be a creative and a creative um, I would also want to add, there are so many different ways to run a business now, right? Um, such that um, we can let go of some of those older models of what it has to be. Oh, absolutely. So now now that I think you've educated me that you're a businesswoman or not. Well, anyways, you're a filmmaker. <laughs> you're, you're teaching at the university. I have to be a business person too, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, business person, mother. Um, you've got a lot going on. Yeah, I do. Um, how do you keep going with all of these different competing priorities? Like, like not saying what's your secret, Mary, but there's a lot going on. You got seven year films and you know, just a lot. Uh, I keep a lot of lists. I have a book. I should, I don't have it here, but it's very thick and it's like, it's just called ongoing list. The book o list. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I made certain choices in my life that, um, you do, you make choices that work for you. So I have one child. I don't have five. I have one that works for me. I, um, I got very lucky with that child. She's a great kid. She's, um, she's not, you know, she's healthy. That that's great. Um, I have a very supportive husband. Uh, there's, there's some issues. He's in the film business. He's a cinematographer. So, he travels a lot, and right now he's in Atlanta, and that does add another element of complexity to the situation. But um, 
I, I'm going to take a line out of out of uh, my film, Lost in Living. Uh, one of the women in the film, Christina, she says she kind of thrives in a boot camp mentality. And I think I would say the same for myself. If If there's more on my plate, it usually works better than if there's less. Then I'll procrastinate and start watching trash TV like Real Housewives or something. Um, so it's almost better. It's For example, when I went to graduate school, I had to work. But instead of just getting a job, I started a business. Now, talk about business person. I had a, a flower business for five years. Now, who does that? But it worked. It was very successful. Uh, it just so happened I, we, my partner and I ended up selling it and making a decent amount of money, and that's what I made my first film with. But... Um, so that's how it works for me. You know, I, I, I like to be organized. I like to be engaged. I like to be engaged a lot. So um, as long as it's, um, it's, it's some, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't know my, how much I can handle and I have to cut back. But, um, but generally, I, um, I, 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 I make it work, you know, the, way, the best way I can. And, um, and what else? Uh, I'm lucky, you know, I don't go to a nine to five job. I worked it out. So my teaching is certain, you know, it's yes, there are a couple of times I have to teach at night and that's a bummer to leave my kid alone, all that kind of stuff. But it, I, I, I have, you know, I've worked hard for this situation and, um, that's just how it works for me. So I hope that answered your question. That wasn't very clear. I apologize. No, it was incredibly clear. I mean, it's about making conscious choices one and, um, you know, you, you mentioned two things because when you said I'm lucky, I was like, okay, Charlie, don't, don't, don't push back. And then you said it earlier, like you've also worked really hard, right? In, in the right. sense to, you flipped at least one business that the flower business, I don't know what happened to your studio, right? But you know, you've been in business doing these types of things and, and making these conscious choices. And it's not at all easy. Like people always want to hear that there's some secret. There's no secret. No, there really isn't. Um, and sometimes you do have to make really tough choices. I, when I decided to pull out of the flower business, it was partly so I could focus more on my film work. And that was tough because, you know, I had a business partner and our business was hugely successful. I had to come to the realization that I was not Martha Stewart anymore. I did not want to be her. As much as I admire her, I had to move on. That was a tough choice, um, but it worked out. So... Yeah. So a tough choice in multiple ways, but one I would might imagine is that you've got a profitable growing flower business, right? Right. And then you've got at the time a speculation about a documentary that ended up taking seven years, right? Well, that when I left the flower business, that was the, my film. Actually, that also took seven years and it was my first film. Oh, okay. So, um, so you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd already, I think I'd already started it at that point, but, um, but Part of the reason that film took so long was because it, I used, I spent my own money. I, I got one grant, so it just took a long time. Yeah. Okay. Um, just as an observation, I don't know where to go with it. You, you seem to do a good job of betting on yourself. Uh, you know, I, I, that's an interesting way to put it. I, I have this, these feelings, and maybe there's two or three times in my life that's, that's happened where I just decide that it's the direction I want to go in. And I'll, I remember when I decided to switch my major from painting to dance, I, I knew wholeheartedly that was the right way to go. Then when I 
started my dance company. I knew that. Um, when I wanted to make the film about my family, I just knew it was the right story. And then this film, the most recent one, you just kind of know, even when people say, who is going to watch a movie about mothers who are artists? No one cares. And that didn't stop me. So for some reason, there's something will lodge into me and I'll think, nope, it's, it's going to work. I just have this, I, I'm, I just believe it. And, um, and I will say this, there are certainly have been times where I've kind of thought, yeah, this would be a good idea, but if it doesn't stay with you, I drop it. If it didn't stay with me, if I, did, if I knew that's not, not going to sustain me for seven years or what, I am not going to put my effort into it. And I tell that to my students. I say, look, if you don't have passion for this, don't bother doing it. So those things that I mentioned, and maybe there's a couple more, I just knew, yes, uh, this will sustain me. So I don't know if that's betting on me or betting on the subject or the theme or the idea. Just very strong intuition that you stick to it. I mean, and that's a gift because a lot of people don't do that. We, we choose, right? Right. And then two months later, we're like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right choice. Maybe I should be doing something different. And then we'll choose something else and we don't stick with it. Well, right? and, and, and I have been in situations where I've, I've partnered with people or, and I've, I've backed out because I realized I was, it was almost crushing me to continue. And I, that's the only way I can explain it. I had to back out. And, and in the long run, most of them have turned out much better without me. So it's just as well. But that's a big learning curve too, to say, you know what, this isn't me, I should, I should move on. So that's fantastic. So you're working on some new projects. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about them? Sure. Um, <clears throat> the newest one, uh, it's, uh, I decided that I've always wondered what happened to the people that I danced with in college. And this is 30 years ago. And as I said earlier, that was a period of time that was so life-changing. And I think, and I don't think I'm the only one who felt that way. There was, there was a, a height of creativity that was so freeing and so unlimited that uh, we all thrived and did things that, that were very new and risky and probably really horrible to look at now. But at the time, you felt like you could do anything and you weren't being judged and there was a very supportive environment. And actually, just last summer, I was interviewing one of my professors from that time and she said, you were at Santa Cruz during the golden age. And I thought, oh, God, she knows that. I thought so, too. So I've contacted a few people with from that time, and they all they live all over the world. And I have been spending the past year visiting some of them. I've been choreographing on them. I interview them. I send them assignments through the through the internet, you know, email and mail to have them record sounds, do things on video, and I'm creating gathering the material. So my main interest is how did dance influence your life or not and does it still and what what does it do for us now so they're all actually what I'm doing this summer is I'm spending I'm going back to Santa Cruz and a bunch of these people are coming together and I've um, got the 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 university to give us the studio to work in for four days and we're all gonna go there and choreograph and I'm gonna film and it's I'm not sure I'm just gathering all this material and it may be sort of a, an, a, um, 
an interactive website kind of thing. Not necessarily a film. There may be a film element, but um, it, it's sort of going back to not only dance, but more experimental work. And um, I'm just excited about that kind of using different platforms and transmedia stuff. So um, that's the new thing. And then my other project is a website just about women's stories and um, started that one. It's called This Woman's Life. And uh, I'm working with three other people about um, and finding women who will tell their stories in video, audio, photography, and we're going to have a, a text element. So we just started that. So, yeah, that's that. <laughs> What's the most unanticipated challenge that you're currently facing with all this stuff going on? Wow. Um, I'd... Well, okay, in terms of the dance stuff um i guess i didn't really consider that clearly the history people have with each other and what people how we saw each other and how that's changed um so that'll be that's interesting um there's there's some fear in in some of these people going back to that time and they're they feel old and um that's hard for them uh i don't really Maybe because I'm getting older, I don't, I don't have the, the fear. I don't feel as many obstacles as I usually feel. So, I don't, I, yes, there will be problems. Yes, there will be issues. But um, I'm, I'm not as worried about them as I used to be. When I was younger, I used to sort of obsess and a little more. Not that I don't, but I still, you know, I don't as much. But it used to be that I especially when you work in documentary films, you, you tend to have an idea and you, you get upset if, if a subject doesn't do what you want. And what you learn in that is your subjects are just going to have to be who they are. And that's what you have to accept. And I learned that the hard way. And now I've really accepted it. And so I'm, I just sort of, I'm, I'm just accepting what, what will happen. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe, there were interruptions, like my father-in-law got sick. I have to go help him. You know, those things like that. But um, I hope, I just want to stay healthy. <laughs> so I can do it. <laughs> I don't want my back to go out. That's one thing I don't want that to happen. <laughs> okay, so no back's going out. Yeah. Alrighty. So if people only remember one thing from this episode and your body of work, what would you want that one thing to be? Oh, wow. That's a hard question. It's a really hard question. Um, I've never really thought about that. I, I guess um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not saying this because I, I care about. I mean, I do care what people think, but I hope I, I've been kind to people, and I hope that um, people learn kindness and compassion by looking at my work. That, that they get introduced to people and situations and, and challenging uh, experimental situ- uh, discoveries that, that, that make them question and make them understand that we're all here, like struggling, not, you know, that we're all, everybody has their story, everybody has their issues and... Um, that's the, that's what I'm learning. So um, I hope I can trans, 
transfer that to, to my work, I hope. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. <laughs> Mary, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All righty, Creative Giants. What can you do to really get in touch with the story, the story that's yours, and find that place of compassion and just love that's there and, and see where you can take that and what, what might unfold once you find that story? Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.